What's up, Dolphin fans? Welcome to the same old Dolphin show. I'm Josh Katzker, Amplified to Rock on Twitter. Joined, as always, by my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. He is on Twitter, at Aaron the Brain. And the show is on Twitter, at Same Old Dolphins. Brain, how you doing? I'm doing good. We we had football. We had Miami Dolphins football. But I guess the the more important question, how are you doing? Oh, Last man. we spoke, you were not doing well. Oh. It, uh, let me tell you, I've been through the ringer here these last several days. I uh, just got hit with like one of the worst colds I've ever had. My throat was on fire. My head was in a vice. It was just, just awful. I, I'm still dealing with some sort of lingering, uh, congestion issues, some, a lingering cough here and there. Uh, but mostly, mostly I'm doing much better now. So that's, that's pretty good. I'm pretty excited about that. And, uh, you know, it, it was helped. It was helped in a big way by the Miami Dolphins getting a big win in their week two season opener and taking sole possession of first place in the AFC East. I mean, brain, they, they might as well just put our name on the Lombardi trophy now. Oh, it's done. It's done. 16 and 0, baby. Oh, Can- make that uh 19 and 0, baby. That's right. Cancel the rest of the season because the Miami Dolphins have just won the Super Bowl in week 2 at the StubHub Center in Carson, California. It's done. That's it. What uh Hey, listen. You know, it's it's one of those things where and, and of course we're being a little facetious here, a little. J- just a little. Just a little. <laughs> Um, you know, it's one of those things you never really know what to expect from your team's first game and whatever you get from that first game. I don't know how much you can really read into it. Um, especially now when teams, when, when your starters are playing less and less during the preseason, really it has become, and you know, and if you had any doubts about it, just look at. Pretty much across the board, the first two weeks of the NFL has featured a lot of very bad football, by and a lot of it played by some teams that are supposed to be pretty good. Um, you know, so you never really know because they're really essentially now preseason games. These first couple games of the season, um, except that they count. Uh, so, at any rate, uh, yeah, you didn't really didn't really know what to expect, but was cautiously optimistic. That the Dolphins would deliver. And, uh, you know, this is the same old Dolphin show. And boy, there were there was a lot of same old Dolphins in this season opener. Uh, wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, I mean, this was the same old Dolphins game. It was it was set up to be that way. It was low scoring. Uh, it came down to the wire. It featured the Dolphins taking a lead late in the game. And allowing the opponent to drive right down the field for a potential game-winning field goal. I mean, you couldn't script it any more same old Dolphins, except for the fact that if there's another team that has grown accustomed to losing this exact game more than the Dolphins, 
It's the Chargers. Yeah, it's true. I've heard I've heard it said that the Chargers are the Dolphins of the West, and they absolutely out same old Dolphin the Dolphins in this game. I mean, it was it was really remarkable, and it was funny, you know, when when uh, the Dolphins held the Chargers to a field goal attempt at the end of the first half, field goal that uh, their kicker ended up missing. I, I tweeted out at the time. I said, "It's going." To, I have a feeling it's going to be very important that the Dolphins kept the Chargers out of the end zone here when the Chargers collapse at the end of this game. Lo and behold, it it, it turned out to be the case. But Brain, uh, you know, like I said, there's often you know you're hesitant to to read too much into these kind of you know this first game of the season on the road in L.A. Weird circumstances, having been out there for a week because of the hurricane um, that the Dolphins avoided. It's the second week of the season, but the first game. Um, But, you know, it has happened. It's in the books. And we've got to take a look. We've got actual football to look at and analyze and talk about now. So let's, let's go ahead and get into what are our key takeaways from this first game of the season Brain, what is your first key takeaway from this Dolphins victory in Los Angeles, not San Diego? <laughs> let's let's start right where I think most Dolphins, uh, what what most Dolphins were looking forward to seeing, which was this offense. Uh, we hadn't seen Jay Cutler take a snap in a regular season game as the Dolphins quarterback uh, with. Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry, Kenny Stills, Julius Thomas, uh, Laramie Tunsil as the franchise left tackle, a healthy Jay Ajayi, a lot of high expectations for this offense, a lot of talk of the Devontae Parker breakout and possibly that coming at the expense of Jarvis Landry. And what it looked like to me was that this offense uh, was pretty much exactly what it was for the last, you know, 12 games of last season, which is to say uh, from that Steelers game on last year, the Dolphins figured out that they were best suited to run the ball with Jay Ajayi. Jay Ajayi, who popped up on the injury list as a surprise on Wednesday with knee soreness, uh, the knee looked good. 122 yards on 28 carries, 82 yards after contact. 28 carries. Yeah. That's a lot. Look, they are going, and and this was one of the the smaller criticisms that Adam Gase received from the media, um, is that... uh, Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams played, I think, combined five snaps in this game. Um, So they may need to, at some point, do a little bit of a better job of spelling Jay Ajayi. But look, uh, especially coming off of, you know, a preseason where he, he didn't play much. He only played in the third preseason game for like a series or two. I guess he played a, a series in the second preseason game too. And then they got two weeks off basically. Well, he got the week off for the last week of the preseason game, the week off 
because of uh, the bye and then base essentially another week. So really three weeks of rest outside of practice. So in this situation, in a close game, uh, Adam Gase wasn't taking any chances playing the backups. He essentially uh, he did he did uh, kind of like what NBA coaches would do in the postseason, shortening the rotation. You know, he he stuck with his guys uh, and on both sides of the ball. But uh, speaking of just Jay Ajayi, yeah, twenty eight carries is a lot, but this is a guy that is a workhorse. That's the kind of runner that he is. Uh, he's going to get stronger as the game goes on. He's going to wear on opposing defenses. He did it last season. Uh, and he looked to be doing the same uh, in this game. So uh, I'm not going to fault uh, Adam Gase for that. I think there's no doubt as to what the bread and butter of this offense is. It's all aboard the J train. Let's and, talk about, uh, let's talk about, we, we know that Ajayi is going to be a, a focal part of this uh, offense. That, that's really no surprise to anybody. Shouldn't be, and it's not going to be. But the other thing that we talked about, or that has been talked about, is that you know how is Jay Cutler going to affect how the sort of dynamics, the quarterback wide receiver dynamics on this team? As we know, Ryan Tannehill loved Jarvis Landry, and. You know, seemed to it wasn't until late into the season where he fin- Tannehill finally started to maybe start to develop some sort of relationship with Devontae Parker. And that's not that's not all on Tannehill. A lot of that is because Parker was unhealthy. But the thought was coming into this season that Devontae Parker is going to stay healthy and he's going to be this big aggressive receiver, and he and Jay Cutler are going to hit it off to the point that Jarvis Landry it, it might be to Landry's detriment. Well, as it at least judging from week one, that's certainly not the case because Jarvis Landry was the number one targeted receiver by Jay Cutler in this game. Uh, Landry, in fact, had 13 receptions for 78 yards. I mean, he was he was Cutler's go-to guy in this game. Yeah, 15 targets. Um, so anybody that was thinking that Jarvis Landry was going to be phased out of this offense, uh, not the case. Uh, there's clearly a role here for Jarvis Landry. Now, I, for one, am not a huge fan of just how much of a role he played in that specific role that he, that he did play because look, Jarvis Landry is a possession receiver and he is a yards after catch guy. He's a get the ball to him in space and let him work. So I get the, you're basically doing long handoffs to him. It's a, it's a short passing game. It's basically an extension of the running game um, that you're, I mean, you're completing 13 out of 15 passes. So it's, they're very safe throws. And even though, you know, typically you look at a receiver and you say, well, he got 13 catches, only 78 yards. That's awful. But when you think of it as it's basically an extension of the running game, let's look at it as every time they threw him the ball. So instead of looking at 13 catches, look at it as, as 15 runs. 
and or have yeah, 15 carries basically for 70 yards. I mean, you're talking almost five yards a carry. So you're basically getting Jay Ajayi production, but from a receiver. And then Devontae Parker, to me, look, it, this was the first game of the season, and the Dolphins had a game plan. And it it looked to me like their game plan was kind of tailored to two things. One, a concern of their pass protection against San Diego's very good defensive ends, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. And two, San Diego having very good corners and very good safeties. Therefore, Miami tailored their game plan towards short, quick passes, get the ball out of Cutler's hands, nullify that pass rush. And then they kind of picked and chose their spots. And a lot of it came, you know, when, when Cutler kind of improvised. Now, what you saw when Cutler did that improvising, when he got out of the, out of, out of the pocket and the play kind of broke down, when he throw, when he, when the play breaks down and he rolls out, that's when the real Cutler comes out, not the, uh, the reined in playing in within the game plan, Jay Cutler, but the gunslinger, Jay Cutler, man coverage guy is covered and he's just going to throw it up and let his receiver make a play. And what you saw more often than not is that when he did that with Devonte Parker, Devonte Parker made plays. And the fact that we saw that against a very good corner in Casey Hayward, Granted, a smaller corner, but a very good one. I think that bodes really well for that connection. And it just means that next week and the week after, as long as Devontae Parker keeps earning the trust, not necessarily of Jay Cutler, because it seems like they already have a connection, but the trust, more importantly, of Adam Gase to kind of let the reins go and allow Jay Cutler to throw the ball downfield to Devontae Parker more. I think we're just going to see that more and more as the season progresses. Yeah, and it's great to see Parker willing to like, he, we're, we're seeing it, to see that big physical receiver go up there and catch the ball. And it's like basically now Cutler can feel pretty good about throwing a 50-50 ball up to you know Devontae Parker wherever he is and know that either Devontae Parker's making this catch or or it's going to be incomplete, you know. Uh, it feels like when he throws a 50-50 ball to Devontae Parker, it feels like a 70-30. Yeah, it really does. It's kind of it's kind of amazing. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to see that he's he got a little locked in with Devontae Parker, and he was locked in with Jarvis Landry as well. Um, the offense did a great job. And you know what else? The other thing is, uh, on the offensive side of the ball, is... I was pleasantly surprised with how well this, this sort of makeshift offensive line held up. I mean, Mike Pouncey was a monster, and it's so important to this offensive line that he stay healthy because when he's in there, they play so much better. But uh, the offensive line held up pretty well against the San Diego front four. Well, it's interesting because, yes, 
overall, uh, you know, Cutler was not under a lot of duress, but part of it, again, was game plan. Part of it was stay heavy with the run, and when you pass these quick passes, I mean, I mean, these are all passes at the line of scrimmage or like two or three yards. The depth of target on those targets for, for Jarvis Landry, it was like almost every single one was like five yards or less uh, from the line of scrimmage. So with those quick throws, I don't care how good your pass rush is, you're not getting to the quarterback uh, when he's letting go of the ball like on a quick three-step drop. And if, if he... If you are getting to him, then the offensive line is just doing a dreadful job. Um, that said, Juwan James did a fantastic job controlling Joey Bosa. Uh, Laramie Tunsil had his moments. He did not have a particularly good game. I believe he gave up two sacks and three hurries and was probably the lone offensive lineman that had a negative grade uh, in pass protection. But running the ball. To a man, every every Dolphins uh, offensive lineman uh, did their job, and uh, they really pushed San Diego's defensive front all over the field. And then, and then when they actually, you know, it, it allows Jay Ajayi to get that head of steam, and then good luck bringing him down. I mean, we talked about it. Eighty of his or eighty-two of his hundred twenty-two yards coming after first contact. So um, part of that is Jay Ajayi being an absolute beast, and part of it is the offensive line allowing him to get that head of steam. Because if the offensive line doesn't do a good job, and the defensive line gets penetration and gets to Jay Ajayi before he gets that head of steam, uh, he's he's not going to be able to get that kind of yards after contact. But you let him get that full head of steam, and he is just a load to, to bring down, and that's what we saw in this game. Yeah, so things offensively were pretty good. Um, well, see, here's the thing. that that That's what's so frustrating to me about this game is that we're sitting here and we're talking about the offensive line played well. Jay Cutler played well. Devontae Parker played well. Kenny Stills got a long touchdown. Jarvis Landry played played well. They scored 19 points. Right. Four field goals, only one touchdown. Right. And so here is so this is where the problem lies. And how can you sit here and say that everybody on the offense had this great game and they only scored 19 points? And and this is where, while you've got to give Adam Gase some credit for for the game plan as far as protecting uh, Jay Cutler and kind of maybe protecting this offensive line and pass protection, at some point when you're looking at these talented pieces all playing well, you want to see a little bit more aggression. And well, you and Gase admitted more- it. Gase admitted that himself. He admitted that. Particularly in the first half, his play calling was not very good, uh, and he, that he felt like he was actually hindering the offense with some of his play calling in the first half. And you know, aside from that first drive of the first half, it, it, I'd really have to agree with that. Um, it got a little bit better in the second half. It, you know, things started getting a bit more aggressive. But yeah, I mean, uh, for me, it's all summed up really in the, la- the Dolphins' final drive of the game that led to the fifty-four yard 
uh, Cody Parkey field goal, they get the ball back. They've been moving the ball well and very conservative play calling on that final drive. Rather than trying to get, you know, 15, 20 yards, try to move the ball upfield, he was very conservative about moving forward. And, you know, a 54-yard field goal is no gimme. Not only is the 54-yard field goal not a gimme, which is an important point. I mean, that tied Cody Parkey's longest field goal. And, like, he didn't have a whole lot of room to spare when he made that field goal. Um, But... It's, it's not even so much that. It's you knew because it wasn't just Miami moving the ball down the field the whole second half. They weren't really stopping San Diego very much either. Uh, you know, San Diego had missed a field goal. Um, they had kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit. The Dolphins had done a good job of stopping the run. But once San Diego really decided to abandon the running game and just strictly air it out and attack Miami's corners and attack Miami's linebackers, they were pretty much moving the ball at will. And as we've seen so many times with this team over the past 20 years, you knew, especially against Phillip Rivers, you know, on the road, that if we give this guy a minute and two timeouts, they're going to drive right down the field. And then, of course, we, the, the the defensive play calling doesn't help because we basically let him do it by playing by sitting in the prevent. So the game plan seemed to be. Let's try to kick a 54 yard field goal to take the lead. Then if we make the 54 yard field goal. Let's hope that they shoot themselves in the foot on the way down the field or that they missed the field goal. Now, granted, that's what happened. They missed the field goal. But if your game plan is banking on the opposing team missing a 44-yard field goal, it's a good way to go 500. It's a good way to end up 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, So let's take you back to that scenario that led up to that, the reason that we say that this appeared to be the game plan. So you've got coming out of the two-minute warning, second and eight at the Chargers' 39-yard line. Uh, You know, the first down play was a two-yard run by Jay Ajayi. It took us to the two-minute warning. It was after they had gotten to that point, you know, being carried by Jay Ajayi. So second and eight, Chargers still have all three timeouts left. I would have liked to see them pass the ball in that situation because I really felt like, you know, I'm I'm watching this through the spectrum of, you know, same old Dolphins. Let's not give San, let's not get the give the Chargers another chance to have the ball here. Let's end this game with us either making or missing the field goal or, you know, heaven forbid we actually score a touchdown in this situation. But we we elect to to run the ball with Jay Ajayi. Two-yard game. Don't love it, but don't hate it. I understand it. You're trying to move. You're trying to run the clock. Jay Ajayi's had this monstrous game. So, there, you know, what's to say Jay Ajayi doesn't reel off an eight-yard run right there and then it's like ball game. Um, but he gets two yards. He gets bottled up. And now you've got a third and six. From the 37-yard line, 
to me, this is where you have to be going for the first down. And I know that, look, if they absolutely, really, you need to you need to be going for the first down here. And, and I understand that it's not like they ran the ball. You know, it's not like they called a halfback dive. They called a screen pass. But it'd be another story if the screen pass had worked for them. But they had literally been running screen passes, whether they were bubble screens to Landry or screens to Ajayi. They had been running or, or screen passes to Devontae Parker for that matter. They'd been running the screen passes all game and they were not working. They didn't get really a single big play out of it. So there was really no reason to think that a screen play, a screen pass would net them the first down right there. Yet that's what they went to and it gets them one yard. Uh, the Chargers call timeout, and now you're eyeing a 54-yard field goal. And like, let's be honest: if Cody Park, if Cody Parkey misses that field goal, or is anybody surprised that he's missing a 54-yard field goal with the game on the line? No, no, of course. How not. long was the field goal he missed last year when he was on the Browns? It was I'm shorter sure. than that. It was shorter than that because he's never well, missed I a 50 yard read, in his career. It was yeah, like a 40, exactly. like a 30 or 40 amazing. yard field That's goal. It was a chip shot. I guess, I guess if it was a 35 yarder, you'd have felt worse about it. <laughs> Just, it's no good. But, but I mean, the bottom line is you, you put the game, to me, this was not playing the odds at all. This was kind of defying the odds, going so um, just incredibly conservative. And really, they got lucky to pull this one out. Lucky well, that Parky, I mean, say what you want about whether they're lucky or not that Parky made the kick. Fine. That you, you he's never missed a 50-plus yard field goal Fine. in his career. He's never missed a 50-plus yard. money yarder. from 50-plus. confidence in your kicker. Great. To let Phillip Rivers drive all the way down the field, playing the prevent, basically saying, here, drive down the field. We think that you'll miss a field goal. And then to have their kicker miss, to have any NFL kicker miss a 44-yarder, not in like crazy weather, adverse weather situations. I mean, it's luck. I mean. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So getting away from the whole field goal thing, the whole, how stupid it was, that whole situation, because I think we've, we've talked about that a lot. You know, it wasn't just a matter of the fact that they were playing the prevent defense. The fact of the matter was Philip Rivers was carving up the Dolphins defense all day. And it's amazing that the game ended with the Chargers only having a 17 next to their name. Well, they missed two field goals. They missed two field goals, which was extraordinarily helpful. But I mean, that was a pretty same old Dolphins kind of thing. It's that same old, we're going to bend a whole lot, but we're going to hold you to a field goal at the end of the drive. Well, I think... Based on the Dolphins' personnel, based on what we know about Matt Burke, his background in cover two. Based well, and, the, on, and the fact that he had to completely come up with a brand new linebacker scheme 24 hours before the game because Lawrence Timmons goes AWOL. Right, and we'll get to that in a second. But just knowing what we know about this personnel, about Matt Burke who last year was an assistant of, of Vance Joseph. So, you know, it's not like he, it's not like this is a brand new defense. 
I think we're going to see a lot of this this year, that the defensive strategy is going to be to play soft coverage. Um, I think they want to be a lot better against the run, which, I mean, it's hard not to do because they were awful against the run last year, but they were great against the run in this game, which was a very big positive. Um, But the pass defense, look, these linebackers got exposed, but... And, and San Diego's got some good weapons to expose opposing linebackers. But I just don't think our linebackers, I don't think there's a whole lot that they can do to not get exposed against just about any team in the league. Maybe maybe save next week's game against the Jets or a game against the Bills later in the season. Uh, maybe we'll have some success against teams like that who don't have very good offensive weapons. But at any team with with a remotely good offense or a running back that can catch the ball out of the backfield, it's going to be a struggle for this defense. And I think that they did a commendable job, which is why I think it puts such an onus on the offense to, to not just be okay. They need to score points and and not all of it is play calling because some of it is just, look, they got into the red zone and then they, they weren't able to run as successfully in the red zone. They had a big penalty inside the, you know, when they got inside the 10 on a drive in the second half, which really took them out of, out of field goal or not out of field goal range, but out of really like striking range for a touchdown. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes things like that happen and the Dolphins certainly need to be better in the red zone. Three trips to the red zone and no touchdowns out of it is certainly something that they need to improve on. But this defense is kind of it is what it is. It's not going to be an elite defense. So if the Dolphins are going to be a playoff team, they need the offense to put up more than 19 points. Uh, but 19 points was good enough in this one. So look, tough game on the road. It's the opener. You find a way to win in this league. A win is a win. You take it however you can get it. 1-0 and in first place. That's it. So uh, other key takeaways here, Brain. We, we oh, talk, yeah. We talked a lot about the offense. Uh, we talked a little bit about the defense. So we'll uh, what what's next for you? Well, you know, just I mean, we'll we'll get to our stars of the game, so we'll 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 do that in just a second. But I it was also it was very surprising. Alteron Werner, who we had heard for the past two weeks, was battling Byron Maxwell for the second starting job on the outside as a cornerback, did not play a single snap in this game. Yeah, very was strange. beat out by uh, Bobby McCain who has had his struggles over the past couple of years. To say, but the, McCain, to say the least. But McCain McCain actually played well in this one. Um, uh, Chase Allen, the the undrafted rookie free agent, uh, the undrafted rookie uh, linebacker that started in place of Lawrence Timmons, did a solid job. Really, you know, was not a, was not a net negative on the field for them. So that was... A pleasant surprise. Um, and and Mike Hull, he is who he is. Uh, he he's a he's a jag. He uh, he'll, <laughs> he he he's a good tackler, but he's not it's just going a to- guy. For those of you who doesn't who don't know, 
what that yeah, means. Yeah, he, he's a jag. He he will tackle. He, he's a sure tackler, which is good. But he's not going to make a lot of big plays, uh, behind, you know, tackles for losses, tackles for no gain, tackles for one. He's going to make a lot of tackles for four and five yard gains. And he is not good in coverage. Um, and it's going to be a problem all year long. But given his physical limitations, he did an all right job. Uh, the defensive line as a whole um, did not generate any pass rush in this game, which could be concerning. But at the same time, I I can't help but feel that it was a bit of a stylistic thing, that that was not necessarily an accident that, uh, you know, I spoke about it last week you know, on Friday when I did the solo podcast, uh, when you were under the weather about how I thought that the defensive line needed to kind of put an emphasis on stopping the run more than they needed to worry about getting after Phillip Rivers, because I felt like, especially early in the game, if they pinned their ears back and went after Rivers, they would really leave themselves susceptible to getting gashed in the running game. They stayed disciplined in their gaps. They shut down the Chargers running game, really all aside from like one long run by Brandon Oliver in the second quarter. And that really helped keep this game close and really contained San Diego's offense in the first half. And then in the second half, it turned into, uh, you know, that's when San Diego decided that they were just going to attack the Dolphins through the air. And at that point, I guess, yeah, maybe you wanted to see the Dolphins defense create a little bit more pressure, but I think they just kind of look, it was still a very close game. They were still behind the majority of the second half. So they still needed to be aware of the running game and they stayed very disciplined and they kind of stuck to their game plan and they basically played a ball control game, played the bend, but not break game. And it worked for the most part. So, um, in, in that regard, while I, while I hated the, the defensive play calling at the end of the game and in, in going into the prevent and just allowing San Diego to, to just pick up chunks of yards on their way to getting the field goal attempt. I thought Matt Burke called a hell of a game on the defensive side of the ball for, you know, I guess 59 minutes. Hey, he, he did what he could. All right. So, uh, we, we, we tiptoed around it. We've danced around it. Let's talk about this Lawrence Timmons thing. So Saturday night, Apparently, and and more info. The information actually, is, you you want to do the the since we're talking about the game, let's let's kind of put a bow on the game. Okay. Do our stars of the game. Three. Then stars. we'll get into the Lawrence Tim. We're gonna every every week we'll come up with we, it's, this. Is inspired by hockey for for those of you that are hockey fans. We're gonna do our three stars of the game. Uh, we're gonna try to make them Dolphins every week. Although you know who knows, eventually there may come a time where you know when we play the Patriots, we might have to put Tom Brady in there. Although he doesn't. Usually, play or maybe that well maybe when we win, we do three stars of the game, and when we lose, three goats of the game. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, anyway, our three stars for this game, starting with number three, is uh, Cody Parkey. Got to give it up for the kid. Hit four field goals in the game, including that big fifty-four yarder at the end that proved to be the game winner. Uh, you know, I'm sure if you're a conspiracy theorist, you might say, "Hey, maybe he missed that field goal." 
at the uh, at the end of the game last year when he was with the Browns on purpose. This kid grew up in Jupiter. He's a he's a lifelong Dolphin fan. So maybe you know he he, he shanked it on purpose. He wanted the Dolphins to to get a big win last year, and now that he's a Dolphin. He can hit all of his field goals. It's a beautiful thing. So Cody Parkey, our number three star of the game. Brain, our number two star of the game is Indomitian Sue. Talk about his performance. Indomitian Sue was worth every penny in this game. Uh, we talked about how if this defense is going to improve upon what it was last year, the defensive line is really going to need to be elite and you know, maybe the defensive line as a whole wasn't, you know, spectacular in this game because, you know, it wasn't sexy. They didn't get a lot of quarterback pressures and didn't get a lot of sacks. But they did what they set out to do, which was to stop the run. And Indomitian Sue was the force behind that, just manhandling the interior offensive line of, of the Chargers. And look, he actually he he got some pressure on on the Chargers, uh, you know, on Philip Rivers from the inside. Uh, he takes a lot of attention away from from the ends, um, and he was just he was a man amongst boys, which is exactly what you want out of what is real really the franchise player of this defense. Um, and if you get that kind of performance from Indomitian Sue all year long then the Dolphins are going to be a tough team to run against. And that was not the case last year. And, and, you know, maybe this won't be, maybe this is going to be one of the worst pass defenses in the league, but do something well. And if you, if you're going to be elite at stopping the run, it's, that's not a bad place to start defensively. And it all starts and ends really with, with Indomitian and Sue. And our number one star of the game is uh, Jay Ajayi. We talked about it already. He got 28 carries, 122 yards. He was a monster. There were concerns that maybe his knee was going to be, uh, you know, questionable. But, boy, he was fantastic. Racking up yards after contact, which was incredible. It was just – it was really like – you know, when you when you really think about it, because remember at the beginning of the last season, it was it – was, uh, you know, it was going to be the No Sean Moreno sh- show, and you know that ended. Was in- that last season? Is it or wasn't it? No, that no, that was that was at least two years ago. Okay, <laughs> who was the running back at the beginning of the last season? Arian Foster. Arian Foster. That's it. I was. I. That, I think that was three years ago with No Sean Moreno. I, I I went really far. I went really back into the oh, tank for that. One. They're the, they're the same old Dolphins for a reason. Those yeah. years run to, run together yeah, a lot. You know, it's bad. My apologies, everybody. Arian Foster was you know was going to be the Arian Foster show, and he, you know was not the same player and then he decided to call it quits and suddenly Jay Ajayi was gonna was the feature back and you know it just so happened to coincide with the Dolphins turning their whole entire season around which you know also coincided with the return of Mike Pouncey but you know Ajayi had that incredible year and he didn't play the entire season as the Dolphins number one back this year he's gonna have that opportunity. He's gonna be ridden like crazy. He I, I don't know if they're gonna to go to Ezekiel Elliott levels with him, but you never know. At any rate, he, they they wrote him on 
They rode him on Sunday, and he performed very, very well. And if the offensive line can keep creating holes for him like they did, and he can keep getting to that next level and uh, breaking tackles, I think it's going to be an incredible and very memorable year for Jay Ajayi. So he's our number one star. So our three stars for the Chargers game, Cody Parkey, Ndamukong Sue, and Jay Ajayi. That's that game. So, Brain, talk to us about Lawrence Timmons. Oh, Jesus. It's, this so, is, yeah. I, listen, this is a, such a same old Dolphins thing that there's some weird personality issue with somebody on the team. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday on Twitter who was saying, this is not a Dolphins thing. This is an individual who has a problem who's blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, no, no. the point is the Dolphins always seem to attract the guy who has some personality issue where it, whether it's you know whether it's Jonathan Martin whether it's uh Brandon Marshall whether it's Ocho Cinco whether it's Lawrence Timmons there's always somebody who for some reason can't get their act together now listen I'm not jumping on Lawrence Timmons we still don't know exactly what the situation here is uh you know the had him leave the hotel and try to get on a plane to Pennsylvania. Boy, not try. He did get on a plane to Pennsylvania. Uh, so we don't, you know, we, we don't know exactly what the issue is. We know it's a personal thing. It had something to do with, then this is serious. It had something to do with his baby mama. Uh, you know, we don't know exactly what the deal that is. Baby mama drama. But we know that he, he up and left the team and Adam Gase was not, happy about it and has since refused to say whether Timmons is going to be involved in the future. Uh, it seems like it seems like Timmons, you know, is whatever the problem was, he's he's over it and he's ready to return to the team and return to practice. But as of as of this moment in time, uh, as of this moment in time, we don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, the the players seem to want him back. Uh, they've said uh, only positive things about Timmons in the media. Gase has declined to comment, you know, specifically about the situation, but just has answered questions about, uh, you know, his his discipline, his disciplinary. Uh, style i guess his rules he basically says he has two rules show up on time and play and work hard so <laughs> he 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 did not seem happy uh at all nor should he be um for for a player you know the day before the any game let alone the opening game uh to just you know up and leave without without contacting anybody uh it really speaks to can you rely on this player and and in football you know the whole thing is you you know what these coaches try to instill in these players is that you need to rely on each other you need to trust each other to be where you're supposed to be to do your job and if you can't even rely on a guy to show up at at the game physically not emotionally or mentally not like checking out but to physically not be at the game then kind of hard <laughs> to to rely on him to do his job um and that's that's a difficult 
uh, situation that Gase is going to have to uh, navigate here. But I guess, look, they haven't released him yet. Uh, they they could they they could release him at any time. But the fact that he's still on the team, I would say bodes well that he probably will remain on the team. But he's pro- but he's definitely going to face. Uh, some sort of discipline from the team, whether it's uh, a game suspension or a lengthy suspension, almost certainly a fine. Um, I guess that that remains to be seen. We can't really judge. We don't really know exactly what uh, details there were about his situation. All we know is that uh, he's supposed to be meeting with team doctors tomorrow and Look, we'll just find out more about this as the news comes out day by day. I'm sure that uh, Adam Gase will continue to be peppered with questions. And at some point, uh, they will have some sort of stance and there will be some sort of news about whether Lawrence Timmons is either going to be on the team, is not going to be on the team, and what kind of discipline he's going to face. So there it is. I think, Brain... I think that's going to wrap us up for this week. No, uh, no, this week in Dolphins history. Or do you want to save no, no, that save for that? For the, I'll save it for the preview show. We'll okay. Do it on Thursdays. That's when we. That's when you did it last week. Um, so I think that's what we're going to do. Them. We'll do those on the uh, on the preview show. Fair enough. So looking forward to a preview show as we preview. It's pretty the interesting Dolph- to preview a bye week. <laughs> well. No, listen, the I, same I don't want to call the Jets a bye week. No, because the same old but, Dolphins but, will find a way to lose this game or find a way to win this game 20 to 19. Well, it's not that I, I don't want to call the Jets. I mean, it's not that I don't think that the Jets are a bye week, but I I want to call them the Washington Generals uh, of the National Football League this year. I just think so. So essentially, they're a bye week. The Dolphins do actually need to suit up and play the game. Hopefully the Dolphins don't approach it as such, because if they do approach it as a bye week or as playing the Washington Generals, um, then they probably are looking at another 20 to 19 game or 19 to 17 game. But I guess we'll talk more about that, uh, you know, next or on Friday when we do the preview show. Absolutely. We certainly will. So, uh, in the meantime, Brain, why don't you uh, tell the people where they can find you? Can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain and also on uh, DolphinsReport.com. Uh, it's a it's a website uh, run by uh, CBS Sports uh, and their subsidiary Scout.com. Uh, I've I've been writing a couple of articles a week uh, for them covering the Dolphins. I just put out my uh, my article. Uh, earlier this morning, kind of reviewing my thoughts from the game yesterday, and I'll have one, you know, in the next couple of days, probably a little preview of what to expect against the Jets. So DolphinsReport.com, follow at uh, Dolphins on Scout uh, on Twitter as well. And you can, of course, follow me on Twitter at Amplified to Rock. And follow the podcast, as we said right at the top, at Same Old Dolphins. Don't forget, you can subscribe, download, rate, and review the show on iTunes. You can leave us a comment 
and follow us on SoundCloud as well. We really encourage you to do that because it helps us know what you think of the show. Uh, it helps get the word out and spread the word among the Dolphin fans out there in the universe. So help us out. We really appreciate it, and thank you for listening. We also want to thank our friends in Bad Bruno for our wonderful theme song, the punk rock version of the Miami Dolphins fight song. It is the absolute best cover of that song ever done. All due respect to Trick Daddy, Bad Bruno got you beat. Uh, Speaking of got you beat, we're going to be back here later this week to preview the Dolphins' week three matchup against the New York Jets. I am very excited about it. We look forward to seeing you back here. So uh, until then, let's uh, continue to soak up the, the, the warmth and joy of being in first place in the AFC East. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins. Miami's got